Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And we are going back to basics on sitcoms and we're thinking about how to write them, where to start, what to do. We've looked at uh, situations with David Tyler and we've looked at characters a couple of episodes ago. Last week we thought about your first 10 pages. The impact. The impact indeed. Um, And... So we looked at that partly because we had the deadline for Mm. our own script competition. But now we're sort of continuing with our theme of going back to basics and talking about plots. Mm. And Dave has nine P's of plotting (laughs) that we are going to work our way through. Right. Uh, Who's counting? Yeah. Um, One of our listeners will be counting. A number of P's. We have the the P's of plotting. Yeah. And just my initial opening salvo is that Although we may be attracted to writing jokes and we may be attracted to characters, the plotting usually takes an awful lot longer and you really mm. do need to th- think a lot about the plots because that's the thing that you're going to hang the jokes off and the characters off. And so very rarely do you, do you get excited by plots, I would say, mm. other than it places your characters in situations where they are and can be extremely funny. Um, and in fact, the first time I got properly excited about plots was actually way before we started doing this um, podcast. Uh, but you you wrote a series of blogs, probably about maybe kind of ten years ago, was it? Or I don't know, seven or eight years. Oh, ago. I don't think it was that long ago. No, but yeah, okay. well, I just talked about how to come up with how to plots. come up with plots, and it was like six uh, blogs in a row. And I just mm. thought, oh my god, this is it was such a revelation to me of that because I I. I or had always sort of sat there and thought, mm, plot, oh yeah, I've got to come up with a plot now, and that's really boring. But actually, uh, it, it's a it's a great way to help you when you're struggling with your characters. Mm. Well, here's a story. What can yeah. I? How can you know? Yeah. How can I test my character? Yeah. Here's a story. And Let's just to see. summarize that, I mean, you can read. There's a version of it written in uh, my ebook, writing that sitcom. Mm-hmm. But um, just to summarize it briefly. The, the, the idea is that you come up with 100 plots, which I know doesn't sound like a great secret, <laughs> but you come up with 100 one-line plots that, aren't, that could be anything for anyone. And, you know, uh, it could be uh, buy a pair of shoes, go to the dentist, uh, start a war. You know, they, they yeah. could be... And then you think, well, how, how would my character do this? And mm. sometimes they're exciting, and you go, oh, start a war. Oh, he starts a war with his neighbour. <laughs> Or she starts a war mm. uh, with uh, her daughter. And over what? Well, obviously it would be over this. And suddenly it starts yeah. to flow. And sometimes you go, oh, um, go to the dentist. Uh, who cares? Well, okay, mm. put a line through that. Go on to the next one. Right. But the way to, to, to have that list is just to spend time just brainstorming stories. Which brings me to my first P, in fact. Let's Jenny, do it. A very nice Radio 4 sort of link, mm. um, which is plan. Mm. And that's, you know, the, the, the more work that you do before you actually write your story, mm. then uh, the more you'll get out of it later. Um, so you may put aside, while you're excited about the, your uh, starting a war uh, plot, you may put aside the uh, visit to the dentist Um but then you start to write your war plot and suddenly the, the, the thing about the dentist suddenly becomes a very funny way to get you mm. from the start of your war plot to the next bit. Mm. So you've kind of, you, you think you haven't made any use of that because you've just put a line through it, as you said mm. there. But actually, ah, oh, if he did go to the dentist at that point, then that's going to make that plot funny. So, well, funny enough, that. Yeah. but then also your brain starts working and my brain has just started working now and I'm thinking start a war visit to the dentist oh what if you're convinced that your dentist is a war criminal <laughs> and suddenly we're on to marathon, marathon, marathon man. yes yes it's been done i'm afraid but not as a, as a sitcom <laughs> but but in a way you could pay homage to this sort of thing or mm. and then that will make you think yeah oh actually and That's again funny, loads of these yeah. stories loads of really good stories in sitcoms especially seinfeld are basically true and what you then go is like oh yes I do remember that for a while I thought my English teacher uh, mm. was a spy. Or I do remember thinking <laughs> that um, my, you know, yeah. uh, the person, the, my butcher was a member of um, an extreme party. And suddenly you've got a real story there that you feel mm. that you can do. And suddenly your character is obsessed with mm. the, their butcher. And so <laughs> this is an ethical butcher 
but they think, yeah, but I'm pretty sure he's a racist. <laughs> um, so he, it may all be organic and locally sourced, but I'm mm. pretty sure he doesn't like coloured people. Uh, <laughs> so, or also the idea of an ethical butcher. I mean, is this there's someone who you know allows the animals to run freely well, yeah, in his I back mean, garden, and he he kills them himself with yeah. a machete, yeah, and, and enjoys it. Blood curse. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so suddenly you're into you're into stuff where you think, well, this feels funny. Mm. But sometimes you think, well, this feels funny, but not for this character yeah. or this show, in right. which case, well, you've written it down. Yeah. And when you develop your next show, you've already got a list mm. of 100 ideas, some of which were suitable to your previous thing and some of which might be suitable for now. So you're building up almost like a portfolio of plots. Yeah. Um, and again, it's all planning, isn't it? That's yeah. the thing. And, and plan to plan. Yeah. And that, and, and James hasn't looked at my list yet, but how could he have known that actually number two, number two P, uh, which he just alluded to there, is uh, personal. Mm. And um, that's the, uh, the idea that actually the stories, the best stories uh, are not the story that you tell about when you got uh, you were late for work and this thing happened because that's really boring when you tell it but a, a sort of funny thing happens uh, or something unusual happens around you and you build you create mm. a story that's um, this is a, a, a mistake I think a lot of people starting out uh, write when they're writing and I feel guilty of doing it myself is when I've written personal shows uh, is that I've wanted to um, I wanted to stick to the integrity of the original story, um, which is ridiculous because it's a story. It's made up. Um, and so all, really all you need is um, the thing. But the thing that happened to you, that's real and that's good. And the fact that that's real um, means that when you start telling the story, it sounds believable. And then you've got these characters that uh, will then act out the story for you. You don't want to force a story onto your characters mm. you want your characters to uh get act as those uh, as they would um in the because you've created them yeah. in a certain way so that's but if you've got a story and as you mentioned mm. larry david had lots of them that he puts into yeah. seinfeld then, but even all know. of the even all of the characters if you I've got all of... Uh, I don't own that many DVDs, actually, because I remember thinking that they were overpriced and would probably be dated. Um, but on the DVDs, at least, there is a thing called an inside look on quite a lot of the episodes where mm. the writers of the episode, which was sometimes Larry Charles mm. and sometimes two, you know, two other guys. Peter Mellon, um, yeah. yeah, and there were lots of different, different people. Um, and it was often... Yeah, I remember my, um, you know... I used to live next door to this guy who did X and I remember yeah. thinking, oh, that's the kind of thing Kramer would do. Or sometimes I remember one of them was saying, oh, I had this guy who just wouldn't stop going on about this thing that we should do in Seinfeld. And I remember finding how incredibly, and whether that ended up becoming essentially the Banyan character who was yeah. just like, hey, you should do this or yeah, that yeah. really annoying person <laughs> yeah. or whatever it is. Um, but it is great if it comes from a real place. Mm. Uh, but then again, you don't need to... Stick to the story, hmm. um, although sometimes you 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 feel like the moment you depart from it, it starts to become a bit weak. But overall, what you're looking for—I don't know what your next P's are—but um, hmm. you're looking for the way in which your characters go in a believable way yeah. from this hmm. to that to that to that to that until they're in this extraordinary situation, as we get with Miranda, where she's reading Mein Kampf to children in a library, <laughs> right, um, in order to get out of being a godparent. <laughs> Um, and so it's how do you get there without the audience going, oh, that's just ridiculous. I mean, yeah. obviously the whole show is ridiculous, but within that show, it's not ridiculous. Mm. So, um, so yeah, so that's kind of the thing that you're looking for is that story that yeah. there, there's no weak link going from here to here to here to this point to beat one, to beat two, beat three, mm. beat four, beat five. And suddenly your character is like going, how did I get here? Yeah. And we know exactly how they got there, and it's because of their character, ideally, yeah. rather than having stuff forced upon them. Yeah, and Sarah Kendall, who is probably the, one of the, the, the finest storytellers uh, around at the moment, her brilliant uh, one-woman radio shows um, tell really kind of gripping, powerful stories, but uh, you know, she works very, very hard at those stories, and they are made up, but they, they, they have a personal uh, truth that 
uh, at the heart of them somewhere. But but I, and you listen to it and you sort of think, yes, this could really happen. And actually, it, you almost think, well, God, did, uh, did that really happen? She says that she does get people saying to her, you know, what that that thing really happened to you that way? No, it's a story. This thing happened, which then right. I went off and I wrote this story about it. Mm. You know, and so uh, yeah, remember uh, it's um, the pe- people's real stories can be a bit dull but you yeah. you know you're making it up they're just a starting point that's yeah. it so take 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 what mm. you can from them mm. but then don't get hung up on mm. uh on whether you know you, because most stories are not as crisp and as perfect and delicious um as a sitcom story yeah and that's fine and no one expects sitcoms to be truthful quite in that way even shows that look very very naturalistic like mm. the office are every bit as contrived as an episode of my family mm. uh, or friends or whatever. Yeah. They just don't look it. Yeah. Um, and so they are still neat in their own way. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that's just that's one for another time. Okay. So we'll go to our next P. Well, this P has featured before in my acronym world, as in off up the bus loser, the P in right. character. Uh, which is, uh, and I'm sorry if I popped there. No, that's right. You, you have a pop shield, so hopefully yes, the popping has true. not popped yes, so in, in fact, the ears of our listeners. It's okay to do the nine Ps of sitcom yes. plotting yes. and not uh, burst your eardrums. Yeah. Um, so yes, proactive is the word that I'm using here. And yeah. yes, it is a character thing, and it's, a, um, it's something you just have to be careful all the time um, when you're writing your sitcom. Things happen and characters react. And it, it's kind of an instinctive way to write. Oh, this thing's happened. I'm going to have to do that. This thing's happened. And... Oh, they get called for jury duty. Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay, that's a, that's a letter. Yeah. You still have to... Uh, make sure your character does think your your characters invariably in sitcom uh, are the architects of their own demise and in order for that to happen they have to do things they have to go out and say this is this is the thing i want i want this how am i going to get it i'm going to do that uh, how's Lee going to... Uh, this is the pre-current uh, series of not going out, but for eight series of not going out, how is Lee going to uh, get the girl, get Lucy? How's that going to happen? He's going to try every episode, uh, and everything that he does is just going to cause problems yeah. and make things worse and worse. And, then, and there might be a little inciting incident where he sees that she likes this or that, and he hmm. thinks, oh... I right. could I could get into that and sh- we could have a shared interest or whatever. Yeah. So you're kind of uh, you are seeding something, mm. but then you want your character then to sort of launch off on a big quest based mm. on that little incitement that's going to cause lots of problems. Yeah. And that's that's so the, the, these are the kind of these are the starting points the, 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 that uh, when you know when, when you've got a big story. Um, you need you need to have the foundations really, and obviously planning is uh, foundation number one. Uh, where the story comes from, ideally it comes from yourself. But uh, proactive is is sort of I suppose it's kind of point number two, isn't it? It's like okay, we need to get this story moving, and the best way to get a story moving is for your to get your character saying, "All right, uh, that's going to happen. I'm going to move this story." Yeah. And they have to do it in a way that is mm. believable yeah. and within character. Yeah. So in one sense, it might not be believable what they're going to do, but it is believable for that person to do it. Yeah. So it may be, I've got a huge credit card bill that right. I can't pay. And what's the solution? I'm going to shred it. It's like, well, <laughs> you, might, you might go, well, no, don't do that. That's really silly. But oh. if your character is the sort of person that runs away from things like that, well, that's great. And the shredder's broken, they can't shred it, so they burn it and they set fire to something else or something like that. And that would be my kind of adding to this is, the. I don't know if you've got another P for this, but this is the lesson, I've said this a few times before, I really learnt working on Citizen Khan, and this is the one thing I learnt from Adil Ray, who mm. is Mr Khan in particular, 
his relentless commitment to make his character always make it worse. Yeah. It's not enough that Mr. Khan fails hmm. and he will, he will go off on a plot um, and then it's not just enough that he fails to do this thing and then tries again and fails and tries again and fails and eventually succeeds. It's like he tries and fails and makes it worse. And now he's, now he frankly give anything just to get back to where he was at the start. Yeah. And now he tries to get back and now he's made it even worse. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you want to be in that situation whereby, so in the cricket episode I wrote with him where he, he sort of brags that he knows, um, uh, Murray, England, uh, Murray and Ali, isn't it? Moeen Ali, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, yes, I taught Moeen how to bowl googlies. <laughs> yeah. You know, who do you, how, how do you think he learned to that? Yeah. And then when eventually they say, oh, could you get him to sign a bat for us for the local, yeah. for, the, for the auction, for the local kids' kindergarten thing? He's like, oh, yeah, of course I can. And we know that he's already thinking, <laughs> oh, dear, they've really called yeah. me on this. And then in the end, he sort of has to, he can't even get, there's a one-day international at Edgebaston. It's completely sold out. He's going to have to bluff his way in. And eventually he kind of, of course, he's going to end up naked on the pitch running across. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But you're just trying to make sure that every single step of that way is believable. Right. And that it's his character's mm. hubris and pride and desire to actually do the right thing because mm. he wants his daughter to have this thing and he wants to be the guy who is the problem solver. Yeah. Um, well, that's a new P that you've given me, which is uh, possession. That, right. That the character has to own oh. their story. Yeah. So yeah. No, I that's think an that's, O. Ooh. But if I say possession, then that, that, that crowbars in another P. Yeah. Um, so yes, or prog a, it progresses the problem. It just it yeah. makes it worse. I mean, that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? It's yeah. Uh, how can they really, yeah. you know? Just remind me of a very funny story. Not that, that I was just remembering about a friend of mine. This is I never used this as a sitcom, but it's got to be there somehow. He used always used to uh, when, when we were working in Bristol. He just always parked wherever and got parking tickets and somebody said to him uh that if you go in uh, he, he had about 100 parking tickets or something so if you go in and you take the the, the latest parking ticket mm. that you've got then um it wipes all the previous ones <laughs> he believed it and he went in with this one ticket so i've just got to pay this ticket and this is you know, 25 years ago yeah. and things weren't really automated then but you know, it's like the person who took it was uh, Christmas had come early for them. They said, "Hey, look, everyone!" It's it. and it's yeah. <laughs> it's the guy who uh, yeah. thinks that uh, you know that's uh, yeah. So, <laughs> and he ended up. He happened to have. Uh, he was had some dope in his pocket at the time as well. <laughs> oh my goodness! And uh, you know, so it kind of um, that, that reminds me of that great, great scene in, um, when um, when Joey is at the DHSS. In uh, bread, um, yeah. do you remember? I didn't watch bread much. Oh, okay. Um, where he would, um, they were always claiming benefits for something. Right. They were always claiming, always claiming, always claiming, and it was always the same woman, really hard-nosed woman. Mm. Um, and she says, you know, eventually she just says, look, he says, uh, yes, let me give you my home address, and she says, I know where you live, Joey Boswell. <laughs> um, you know, we organise coach tours for the councillors past your house. It saves us explaining where all the money goes. <laughs> Which is so great. Yeah. Um, but sorry, they, those, all that backlog of tickets just made me think of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, bread was... I loved bread, which yeah. is... Um, yeah. I don't quite know. It was a huge show. People yeah. have forgotten. It got... Like the, no, it was massive. Tw massive 20 show. million people on a Sunday night. It was night, kind of around the time that I was working every night. Ah. Uh, and I, there's, a, there's a gap in my uh, TV watching yeah. of uh, sitcoms from yeah. about the early 80s through yeah. to the early 90s. Um, and also, you can't, you can't pin it on... You're not Mancunian, are you? So you can't say, I don't watch anything from Liverpool. You know, you yeah. can't... Uh, no, no, I wouldn't. I'd happily... You're, you're from yeah. the other, other yeah. side, aren't you? Yes. We have in common with Liverpudlians our, our dislike of Mancunians. Well, there you the go. Leads. Yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So, <laughs> so next uh, P. Next P. We are uh, at, um, not necessarily in, in order, but we're, uh, a point of no return is the um, is is 
um, the next one. Uh, and that's uh, a point where you are three quarters of the way through your story mm. uh, and all is lost. Yeah. Or all is won, in fact. Mm. Um, and it is a problem. I do find that, yeah, you know, one of the things that, uh, excited me when I was reading your your mm. six uh, things yeah. was thinking about uh, just how hard it is to uh, and how infrequently you watch a sitcom and that it really does actually properly uh, tie up all the loose ends um, yeah. and then and 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 you know but you but you get to that point three quarters of the way in where oh god it's not going to work and I've watched great episodes some of my favourite comedy mm. shows and things and moments where um that's the end of the show um that that moment uh is it's like everything's gone wrong and it's it's sort of okay if you know the characters and that you're familiar with them and the whole it's world a bit of a liberty though isn't fallen it? apart yeah it is and it's like because oh, we know right. it'll all be back again next week yeah that's i think that's leaning on the format a little bit too heavily yes. isn't it? and i sort of think actually i want I want to get back to where we were mm. at the moment you're at the pl- you know we know you all get back to where you were because as you say because it's the format and you know oh it's just an old lovable uh, character x or whatever um and and I do read a lot of scripts where they they and they built beautifully to that moment but that and then that's the end of the sitcom. Yeah, it's not enough. It's like you need another twist. You've had mm. your first twist that took you to this place. Yeah, that's a result of your character's yeah. proactivity. That's taken them. They've gone step here and they've made this thing worse. And they've, uh, it's like you say, uh, Citizen Khan. Mm. You know the, the the little lie at the beginning. Yeah, suddenly he's got to justify it, and he's got a bigger lie and a bigger lie, and again Lee in yeah. not going out. You know another bit, and the lies just get bigger, and it really and you get to this point where you think, oh god, it can't get any worse, and then it gets worse again, yeah. and there you are, and you've got three or four minutes left. You've got to get back to yeah. Oh, and here's the cricket bat. Yeah. Um, and you know how do you get back to that? And that is that that is the um, that that is a difficult thing. So I mean, again, when you're planning, yeah. it's not enough just to get to that yeah. to get that point. You and it takes a long time. Mm. Um, it really does take a long time. And actually, I'm disappointed if you're reading scripts that do that because, ironically, you might have gotten away with that in the 80s and 90s mm. when people just thought, well sitcoms just reset at the end so we're not going to worry too much about it yeah. and actually they were they were probably slightly stronger purists and did resolve things and get yeah. them back but we now live in an era of story mm. arcs and series arcs yeah. so you really can't do that now mm. you really can't um, completely blow up everything at the end of an episode and expect mm. to be able to go back to normal at the start of the next that that really doesn't work um and I think, therefore, people are less ambitious in their plotting because they are frightened that they can't get out of the plot. Mm. But actually, I think you should embrace that. Yeah. So um, the obvious example, I think I did a blog about it, is, and I'm still not even quite sure they get away with it, um, is the episode of Black Adder where he executes somebody early mm. Mm. and then the, the, wid- the wife comes to visit this guy and he has to, he has to pretend that this person they've already executed is still alive and so it's Blackadder with a bag over his head Mm. Um, it's the ploppy episode as well you know and all that kind of stuff and where he's executioner and even that they slightly have a cop out at the end Mm. but also you get that one in um, Ink and Incapability with Dr Johnson where he's like Mm. where's the big papery thing with string what like the thing that we burn yes the big papery thing exactly like the thing we burn we burnt it yeah right Thank you, Baldrick. <laughs> you yeah, know, and he yeah. goes out and shouts, you know, oh, no! Like, yeah. Mm, sorry. Um, you know, and he decides that he's going to mm. have to write the dictionary. Yeah. Um, it's a really funny episode. Mm. Um, so you kind of want to make your life as hard as possible. Yeah. And I feel that people don't do that. Mm. There's a, a show which I quite like the first series of, um, wasn't blown away by it sort of quite like it was a motherland and series two is just on at the moment and the first episode of series two uh surprised me so much and, and what surprised me 
so much about it uh, was that, that I was surprised because it was beautifully plotted. It was very, very funny, uh, very, very intricate plot, and it kept you guessing right at the end. And the final scene, um, it went the opposite completely. I, I went, oh, my God, I did not see that coming. Mm. And yet everything that had gone before yeah. had... A, a suggested that that would be an option, but mm. it had been beautifully disguised. And then, yeah, and so we're at the end of the episode, and that's it. And then there was a there was a brilliant callback joke from, right. from something that happened earlier. Yeah. And so, not only did we get our uh, very satisfying ending of an episode, but then we got the punchline at the end. Mm. Um, and that that was, uh, in fact. That's another P that yeah. I've mentioned is having a punchline, and I'm and I've written about this before. And that actually having a it's it happens so rarely that I kind of remember them. And that that, that episode of Motherland I will remember because it just it had a perfect story, and mm. it was and it was resolved beautifully with about a minute and a half to go, and then the last minute um, this thing happened, and it's like oh. Fantastic. Right. So, punchline. Uh, it, 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 it does come back to, you know, working, really working hard. I've made it, uh, and in fact, it was an all is one rather than an all is lost moment. Okay. Uh, that we'd got to two or three minutes before the end. So, I, I think that's, um, you know, the, the, I, I, I could appreciate the work that went into mm. that, uh, that, that story. Uh, and, and, and Subsequently, almost the next episodes have been slightly disappointing because nothing could quite right. match that peak. Really, there's a great episode of um, uh, the IT crowd um, where Moss ends up working in a bar uh, in a theatre. Okay, uh, and uh, I don't remember that one. Uh, God, I can't remember what happens now. Uh, so I, I've uh, ruining the moment there, but it, it just had the most. Okay. Of, perfectly brilliant ending in fact i might have just me saying moss working in a bar might have ruined the whole thing so uh, right. i think that was the sort of the the, the payoff right. so well done dave not only could you not remember what the joke was but you've ruined it for the anyone punchline. who will watch it yeah, yeah. um the, the episode of it grad i always think of is the countdown episode oh that was great that yeah. was the, yeah, that that was sort of the underground last, countdown that was the last episode i think wasn't uh, it? Yes, i'm not I sure think. it was isn't the last right. series yeah yeah the last, the last episode i seem to remember might have had a court scene or something right it was uh, yeah. um and i didn't go a bundle on the last one actually yeah. i remember thinking that actually the thing that spoiled it for me was the plotting was not yeah i think was slightly sloppy right even though you've got great characters and great jokes i remember yeah. just sort of thinking oh this yeah and it's also a... even even as i think there was a one of my problems was the fact that um there was a jury there hmm but this was a civil case and civil cases aren't decided by juries. Mm. So you've, you've done a civil thing and dressed it up as a criminal thing. Right. And that's not how the law works. Uh, the logic. Uh, Professor yeah. Logic. Professor Logic kind of went in and maybe <laughs> that didn't matter. I think yeah. you could have fixed it with a line mm. um, or with a couple of lines or something. Mm. But for me, I think you just want to be... And that's why the plotting takes ages. Yeah. And I think you... And so when people say, oh, apparently in Faulty Towers they spent half the time on the plots, mm. increasingly you just sort of think, well, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um, who, who's writing drafts for, for that long? Because it's also, once you write dialogue, you don't particularly want to have to change it. You don't yeah. particularly want to have to sacrifice your favourite jokes because an entire scene is made redundant mm. because you've changed the plot. It's like, get the plot right. Yeah. Um, so that by the time, because writing, because I, I mean, the reason that I always say that planning and all this stuff is, is so key is writing a 35 page script, 30 page script is really hard and therefore you want to cheat. And the way to cheat is to have a really good outline. Mm. And the way to have a really good outline is to have a really good story. Yeah. And you want to cheat. The way to have a really good story is to have a hundred stories to choose from yeah. and have... And one of those stories will feel so perfect for your characters and your situation that it doesn't feel like work. Um, so I, I'm, I'm basically trying to cheat at every mm. part of the process. And that comes back to all the things that we've said so far. If it's a, if, if, 
uh, about the character owning yeah. the story. Uh, the character is proactive. They're making the story happen. So a plot isn't just a, it's my birthday. It's, it's, um, the, it's this character, mm. you know, and it, it, the, the plot and character. You, the, the, if you want to keep those jokes, mm. then those jokes are intricate. They're yeah. intricate to the plot and they're intricate to the character. In your ideal world, every joke uh, tells you something about the character and it moves the story on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, it doesn't happen that often, but that's what you're always you're always striving for. That yeah. so the more the the more that that plot. And the character, you know, you're not. It, we obviously we we separate out. We talk about character and we talk about plot um, because it's easier for yeah. us. But actually, you it's hard. You, you know, it's hard to sort of separate out the two. Yeah. But you know, when you're when you're thinking about plot, you've always got what is it about the person that that uh, you know, and, and again the danger of uh, making you you think you've got a great funny plot and you're you're crowbarring it around the characters. Well, yeah. you can't do that. Either your character is this or they're not that. And if they're not that, then the character's not properly drawn enough. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a P, which might not be on your list. My P is prop. Uh-huh. I don't know oh, if you have... So yeah. one of my theories is Very always, good. it's yeah. ideal to have a hot prop yeah. where you have a physical manifestation of something that is at the heart of the story. Mm. And ideally, it's not a MacGuffin where it doesn't really matter what the prop is. Yeah. It really does matter. And yeah. so, you know, this is, a, this is a little statuette that belonged to my grandmother. And if it gets smashed, I'm essentially yeah. vomiting on her grave. Yeah. Or this is a, a thing that was given to me by my first wife. Um, or this is a letter which is a stain on my character and I would like it to be destroyed. Or, yeah. you know, this is, I, I need hmm. a certificate from well, this person in order to open yeah. the gates so that my life will be fulfilled in this way. Yeah. Dr. Johnson's dictionary, yeah. as already mentioned. No, I have great. to, yes, I have I to give back an entire it. dictionary. <laughs> yeah. you I know. wish I'd put that in my list in my book, but never mind. Oh, well. That'll be for the, uh, when it gets... Second um, edition. Second edition, when it's re, you know... Yeah. Well, if they read your book, yeah. The Complete Comedy Writer... And my book, yeah. writing that sitcom. Then I've <laughs> got a chapter, enough. I think, on hot props in right, my. Okay. Because in Bluestone Four Two, we have a, a a a tin of cashew nuts. Right. Yes. That the padre is sent by her dad, hmm. um, and she's just like, my dad refuses to acknowledge that I have a nut allergy, and so I can't eat these. And so she gives them to Nick, and Nick says. Every time I put one in my mouth, I will think of you in a relatively, obviously, suggestive sort of way. Mm. And then when he is accused of basically only ever wanting one thing and he is being seduced by a woman who he has rescued, who is a Scandinavian aid worker, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. He sort of picks up the cashew nuts and realises this prop is reminding him that he has been accused of basically only ever wanting mm -hmm. one thing. And he suddenly <laughs> starts to slow things down a bit. Um, and so, you know, that's mm. kind of, if you can get there with a prop, that's often yeah. very helpful. And I remember that episode very well, because in fact, I remember the character in that uh, episode was played by a character who I, I was uh, a show that I was a very big fan of. I think, was it Borgen? Borgen. I think yeah. it was Borgen, yes. Yeah, she Birgitta. was the uh, researcher. Yeah. She was really funny. Yeah. Yeah, in our yeah, show. She yeah, was she great. was great. Mm. Yeah. You weren't expecting comedy from her no. as well. Yeah. So that was a, a shock. Um, yeah, okay. Well, I'm going to have to rename my book The Incomplete Comedy Writer now because I've not got uh, my hot prop. Well, in that's there. why people need to listen to the podcast. Yeah, okay. Go. So, what's your next piece? My next one uh, doesn't apply to all cases, but where you have uh, couples or odd couples or whatever, uh, and that's the pendulum. Right. And uh, if you think of a plot as a, uh, an escalation, hmm. things going wrong. Um, but often. If you've got an odd couple, or if you've got a, like, a couple like the Peep, Peep Show mm. couple pair, say um, something going terribly wrong for one of them means something going terribly right for the other one. Yeah, um, and this can happen. Yeah, scene by scene, almost. Uh, you know, if if 
uh, it does happen in Peep Show a lot. I think you know you yeah. think you you there's this great moment for for Mark and and it it puts Jez in a very difficult position. So Mark does such and such yeah. thing, and then suddenly it makes Jez is the one, and it is it's a constant uh, um, vying for who is you know who who is doing better and who is doing worse, and and um, I, I think it happens a lot in a show like uh, My Family, for mm. instance. Uh, where something that's good for and I can't remember the names of these characters that I wrote for for a year, but Ben, uh, Susan, Ben and Susan Harper, yeah. yes. Yeah. So Ben's good thing is invariably Susan's bad yeah. thing. Nick, Mikey, yes, and I remember he used to call his son Mikey, and actually Michael yeah. didn't particularly like being called Mikey. No. I mean, so. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So, um, so and yeah. there was um, the actor's name was Kieran, the guy, the other guy who was really a puppy dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway. And he ended up together with Abby, who was like yes. a cousin who came That's to right, live yeah. with them and stuff. Um, well, you get it a bit even in... So the example I usually use is in the, in the Miranda episode, yeah. uh, where she, she, it's not so much about... It's not really a, quite an odd couple, but there's a pendulum swing in that she spends the first half of the episode trying to become godparents to yeah. her friends. Mm-hmm. And then she spends the second half of the episode trying to get out trying of it. Trying not to be, yes. yes. Um, and yes. so you want to be looking at those momentum shifts yeah um so yeah you so where you but it particularly works with odd couple shows where you have it's not quite a zero-sum game and actually Mm. you're talking about the 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 punchline in a way you want something that resolves this eternal conundrum between these two over this one thing Mm. where they both get half of what they wanted but realise that what the other one wanted is not entirely unreasonable yeah. and that you know what I mean and that's yeah. what I normally say the the punchline should be something that is surprising and retrospectively inevitable yeah um, which is easier said than done but quite often it is a resolving of this pendulum isn't it yeah yeah someone stops the pendulum from swimming swinging swimming swinging yes, yes. <laughs> Um, to say, look, we this this can't go on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's good. That pendulum thing is very helpful. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. How many more peas have we got? Well, actually, uh, uh, this is a slight cheat. Is uh, a peril, uh, which is in fact probably kind of the same as point of no return. But uh, you know, they, the character has to be in peril. But well, I think that's just. A, but I think that's the more general term of jeopardy, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's, it's what's at stake. And point of no yeah. return, I would say, is the ultimate jeopardy. Yeah. But every scene has to be motivated by I have to do this yeah. or this. And again, I read quite a lot of scripts where you know, scene after scene is this person is trying to do this, and it's not immediately clear what will happen if they don't or if they mm. can't. And if somebody gets in their way. Then a why and b so what yeah um, so I think peril is really important yeah okay oh okay then I shall be prouder I shall be out and proud with my peril and my points of no return absolutely yeah, well they, they, yeah, the point of no return is the ultimate yeah. peril yeah. Uh, which again you can have peril all the way through but it doesn't mm. seem to be accumulating to anything yeah but I think peril is key and I think again yeah it's it's not only does your character need a quest. Um, what I call the clear toss, the clear terms mm. of success, you also need to know what failure will look mm. like and why that's the worst possible thing for them. Mm-hmm. You'll be um, pleased to know, actually, that uh, you know, clear toss has now entered the English language, in a sense, that I was uh, doing some uh, guest teaching for mm. uh, uh, National Film Television School, which uh, mm. Bill Dare uh, yeah. runs this, and w- w- we were reading people's scripts and giving them notes about it, and... Bill just said, now, what's the clear toss in this episode? Yay! And they all knew what he was talking about. Oh. And obviously, I thought, oh, right. Not only has James spoken to all these people, but uh, Bill has incorporated it, and they've all written down, this is clear toss. Clear toss. So, clear terms of success. Yes. Yeah. There you go. But that's a really key point, is yeah. that, you know, it's just highlighting something we instinctively know as writers, yeah. is that when our characters... So, it may be... I think an example I use is an episode of a, of a much unloved show called The Persuasionists, mm. where they're given a quest which is you need to be more creative. You know, the boss cracks mm. the whip and says you need to be more creative. It's just like, well, it's an advertising agency, so I get it. Yeah. But what will that creativity look like? 
and what will happen if they don't mm. achieve that goal. And that's never really resolved, uh, mm. which is why it's quite an underwhelming episode, even though yeah. I think the ingredients were there for, for a perfectly decent show and there's one or two episodes which actually I think are really good. Um, so I think just making sure that what does your hero want and how will the audience know mm. when they've succeeded or when she has failed? Yeah. Uh, that is that is really critical. Yeah. Okay. We shall crack on then with our final piece. Final piece? Yes. Well, actually, we've got two more. But, two more pieces. Uh, this one, not necessarily in every uh, sitcom, I think, but uh, it's a thing I, I, I like a lot in my sitcoms, pathos. Um, yeah. Not every sitcom has pathos. Um, Larry David always said, you know, there's no no hugs, no messages uh, uh, about... Um, Seinfeld. Seinfeld. No hugging, no learning. Yeah, no learning, yeah. But actually, I do think uh, path, um, pathos is um, a kind of... Uh, there is a kind of learning of the audience hmm. that the audience gets, and even in Seinfeld, uh, the, the, the character of, of George, you know, we do. Uh, he 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 is a loser. He yeah. loses even when he's winning. Um, he's yeah. he's loses, and there is a sort of pathos. Is absolutely a, a kind of as in from the word pathetic and yeah. uh, sympathy. sad sympathy yeah. pity. These are the things that we feel, and and it's. Uh, what we're saying again about you know where we were saying before about our characters have to own yeah. uh, have to own, own their mistakes and you know, often that means that the character doesn't get the thing that they want yeah and there is a sadness to that mm. there can be a sadness and in fact the great thing about having a sadness in a sitcom is that then uh, you you get a joke after the sort of sad moment and it's a massive huge laugh joke mm. of relief yeah. from the audience from the audience um that knows all oh, right okay thanks yes it is a comedy I yeah know. yeah it's what what for me makes writing comedy just a, such a fantastic thing mm. i think it's just yeah uh people think oh writing comedy is easy but actually the greatest comedy is on a par i think with the greatest drama yeah and uh pathos is is uh, not just because it's an old word yeah. Uh, it, it's it's a part of that for me. But you I, get it in all yeah. the great sitcoms. You mm. do get it. You do get it in Porridge and Only Fools and Horses yeah. and um, Steptoe, Steptoe and yeah. um, Frasier. But I mean, you yeah. want that in any show. And I, I'm yeah. always slightly worried by there seems to be quite a prevalence of characters in sitcoms these days or comedy narratives mm. who are sociopathic, yeah. who are incredibly selfish. Mm. And I'm I'm being invited to either root for them when I don't want to yeah. or to not, or actually to not root for them. In which case you think, well, if I'm not rooting for the hero, even if I don't approve of their life choices, yeah. I at least want them to succeed by their own criteria. Yeah. But quite often you're alienated to such a degree that there is no pathos and you think, well, I don't quite know what, yeah. what's going on here. And especially now, as we've been saying that, uh, commissioners keep saying oh, we want, uh, we need more narrative in our comedy, mm. and of course, um, in a sense, narrative can be the e the enemy of comedy because narrative, like dra in drama, characters grow and they learn, and mm. in sitcom they don't, and so there's a, that sort of contradiction. But if you want to, uh, if, if if you want want commissioners to sit up and take notice of what you're writing, you need to have strong story there and if you can build in so if you can round your character off more so they're not just silly or mm. uh lacking self-awareness or monster or whatever mm. they also there is a that the, there is that extra side of them that you know they don't they can't see how terrible they are and mm. that we can and we we have sympathy even as we laugh at them we can even have sympathy for them in the sense that it, a character can have the level of self-awareness whereby they realize that they've done it again yeah but we know from life that people don't change yeah and if they do change they change incredibly slowly yeah um over decades mm. and that's not the time span of a sitcom yeah so i think it is plausible and believable and dramatic to have someone sort of realize that they've done it again yeah. hmm. and next week they're going to do it again yeah and the tragedy is and the reason it's kind of funny is because it describes life is we we know that's how life works yeah and when you get an email from someone when you get a phone call from someone you're pretty sure you know what they're going to say yeah it's uh, people don't act out of character yeah um so i think we can be fairly 
uh, fairly robust in defending the sitcom format because yeah. I think it is more true to life mm-hmm. uh, than the drama because people don't go on a journey and they don't change yeah. by and large. And if they do, as I say, it tends to happen. And occasionally yeah. you get radical conversions of people. At the time of recording, Kanye West has become a Christian mm-hmm. um, and has radically changed his everything. But even, you know, a lot of people are just thinking, well, how long will this last? Mm. Um, and that's a perfectly legitimate question to ask because yeah. we are so inured to this idea that, mm. you know, so I, it's, that, that's kind of the way it goes. Really. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Are, you, are you out of P's? No, my P final P is uh, persist, persist. Yeah. Because that is, uh, you, you, you do uh, wonder, you know, we do talk about when we watch something and you think, oh God, that's so contrived. And usually if you watch something and it's contrived, what it means is that the writer hasn't worked hard enough or mm. hasn't been able to resolve the the plot thing. And so something, some contrivance happens mm. um, and you go, oh, you know, okay. Oh, and I woke up and it was all a dream. Right. Obviously not that, but, you know, it is, it is the thing. And again, uh, I don't know if it's still as hard to uh, put a, wheel back on a bike after you fix the puncture right but it's uh you get to a point when you're putting the wheel back on the bike where there is too much uh inner tube and there's not enough space to fit and Mm. you can't work out how did that ever how did that inner tube ever fit in that rubber and then on the uh metal of the wheel how did it how did it happen it can't be done well it can but you know, you just really you you you're at that point there where you're you know you're pushing with your thumbs and whatever, and it's this is a powerful it, image you're painting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. So I uh, hate but, bikes. My yeah. kids have bikes, and I hate having to do maintenance on them. I uh, know it is a pain. Uh, f- fixing project. It's beca- I think it's become a lot easier now. But about five, ten years ago, you mm. know, I, you just you could fix the puncture. Put the mark on, you know, mm. stick a stick, yeah. stick something on with your glue, let it set, and put it back on, and you get all the way round. You have to work your way round yeah. and round the wheel. You get to this point, and you just like, no, this is it is physically impossible to fit this inner tube uh, back inside this wheel. But everybody does it, yeah. and you will find it. But you really have to, you 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 mm. have to think, and you really have to look at all the yeah. uh, all the possible options and actually the other thing I've one my final comment on this is you know I've, I've written quite a few episodes of things and I've always had a plan and I've always had an outline I've always had you know a two three thousand word document with you know 12 15 18 scenes and I've known at the start of writing each scene what has to happen mm. and yet once you start writing it you just go oh I don't think the character would do that they do this mm. and usually you end up going slightly off you know you very I very rarely get to the end of a completely worked out outline when I write the first draft it usually it's 80% the same but quite often the resolution is slightly different or Mm -hmm. little subplots changed or um, it sort of recalibrated itself slightly the temptation then is always to not finish your outline properly because you think well I'll fix it when I actually write it and Mm -hmm. that and again that my overall rule of thumb is you have to do every single process as if this is the last chance you get to do it right so when you're doing your outline you have to fully believe that this is how this episode is going to work and all i need to do now is just turn this into dialogue and it's done knowing full well that that won't be the case and then when you write the first draft you actually have to kid yourself this is it they could film this and it'll be genius Mm. and then you get notes and you know you're going to get notes and you know you're going to go you know that scene doesn't really work and that scene doesn't work and and you have to rewrite it thinking, well, okay, now, now I've fixed it. Yeah. Now it's perfect. Knowing full well that there's going to be a read-through and there's going to be entire scenes that fall over. Mm. And then you rewrite it. And then you go, ah, oh, finally I fixed it. Now it's perfect. Mm. And then it goes out on TV and everyone goes, God, what was that? It was yeah. rubbish, wasn't it? Or, that was, or once or twice. I remember on Bluestone, we cut a whole scene because it was dramatically redundant. And we only spotted that after we'd filmed it and assembled it and watched it. Mm. And just thought, what? We're over length. What happens if you lose that scene? Nothing. <laughs> Why do we even write that scene? Yeah. That scene is literally redundant. Yeah. And it may have been a hangover from a previous draft where a key incident happened in that scene, which we then didn't need and we mm. cut it. 
and it just it looked like we needed it to get us from that scene to mm. that scene and blah 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 but actually it's just like oh you just cut the scene and it, mm. we literally didn't spot that well, until that is- after draft 13 had been shot <laughs> yeah. and edited twice you know well, it's like when you talk about the, the first draft being the vomit draft. Yeah. You get it all out there, don't yeah. you? And again, I'm finding this coming to the end of the the, the rewrite of the second draft of the novel that yeah. I've been doing. Um, is I'm, I'm finding stuff now that is just... Uh, there's just uh, loads and loads of stuff that's just repetitive or I just think uh, th- this was my my brain was thinking I need to say this at this mm. point I was just sort of thinking no you don't need to say that mm. that can go that can go and there's, there's yeah. hundreds and hundreds of words I'm finding as yeah. I get as the further I go along I just think like, come on you're near the end just you don't need that we're getting to the end that's boring just go 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 and, yeah, and yeah. you know you 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 don't and even then when it someone looks at it again they'll say oh come on you know it's still too long and mm. still so there's you know just always you're always looking to get to the yeah get to your end get to your point yeah. but yeah persist with it you will if you can the more work you put in we're coming back to plan really yeah point one the more work you can put into it um then there's greater chance you've got yeah. you're giving yourself the option of yeah. just making it really special I have one last P, and mm-hmm. that is Patreon. Um, if you join us on Patreon, you can get all of our audio, some of these episodes in advance, uh, interviews we've done, which we haven't released yet, all those kinds of things. But also you can hear our sitcom Soup to Nuts series, which is us literally plotting and planning a sitcom from scratch. And so you can hear us have all these discussions and debates uh, with each other. Um, and we will be involving Patreon subscribers in that process at various points as well. Um, so do uh, have a look on our Patreon page if you just Google Sitcom Geeks Patreon you'll find it and there are various levels that you can join at but we would love it if you could support this podcast uh, by joining even for a dollar a month would be great but there are other benefits for being um, more involved than that so we hope that you will take us up please uh, do. on that offer please mm. do another P <laughs> Patreon please great I think we're done we are yes thanks very much for listening yes. happy plotting happy plotting and we'll speak to you next time cheers <laughs>